what is a day but a composite of all these small moments. guys welcome back to let it out i'm really glad you're here i heard recently that podcast listens as a category are down a bunch and i have found my own listening habits have changed so much in the last several weeks and so i'm really happy that you're here i'm happy that you're listening this episode's a little bit different it's with one of my best friends and i say this throughout the episode but my favorite compliment I've ever gotten for Let It Out for this podcast is that it makes people feel less alone. And if this episode can do that for you, I think that will be a win. So I hope you enjoy me talking to one of my best friends, Carolina. She's a chef. She's a mom. She's a really great friend and a very smart, wise fascinating person and i think you're going to really love her although this isn't really an interview it's just a conversation between us between friends but we talk about breakups and relationships and loneliness and friendship and phone calls and connection and it's a long one and it doesn't need any further ado so here's my conversation with carolina but first i want to tell you a big announcement from this week so when i was 22 i randomly got very into self-help and personal growth and i would sit in the self-help section of the bookstore surrounded by people bruised and searching and i was a little bruised and definitely a lot curious and i read all of those books all the personal growth all the self-help and i interviewed a lot of those authors on this podcast and i even wrote a self-help book but what i realized is that those answers I was searching for aren't really answers and I'm not going to find them in a book or a guru or a person or relationship. They're in myself and there's wisdom and intuition. That's where the answers are and I just have to let them out, which is the name of this podcast and my book. And journaling has been my main mechanism to connect with my intuition and to parse out what I'm thinking and how I'm feeling and having these conversations and conversations with friends like the one you're about to hear. But I made something not in quarantine. I actually started it months and months before, but I've been making these journaling kits. And today, the day I'm recording this intro, letitoutkits.com is live. And based off of the questions that I've been asking you guys on Instagram, that I've been asking on this podcast, things that I've been talking about in this podcast, like pivoting and switching direction and breakups and writing and connection and talking and listening. That's what these kits are about. They're for personal growing and the main mechanism is journaling. So they include a lot of prompts and interviews and ideas. And these kits are really allowing me to make Let It Out the magazine I always wanted it to be by putting into each kit so much of what I've learned and taken in and all of the resources that have made me 
who I am today, storytelling and connection and writing and putting them into different buckets. So the first kit is about journaling and it has prompts and resources about writing for emotional wellness and it's completely free. So the link to that is in the show notes. And of course, the Soothe Kit, which I already launched last year is available and the solve kit will be coming out soon and the other ones I'll be releasing slowly over the course of the next year. Also, if you were thinking about joining Let a Podcast Out, my workshop about podcasting, I decided to pull out the interview portion of that that's just about interviewing and conversation and make that a standalone a la carte offering. (laughs) So if you want to learn about interviewing and conversation based on everything I've taught myself and learned over doing 300 podcast episodes, it's there for you. And the link to that is also in the show notes. Thank you for listening. Enjoy my fun, silly, lovely chat with my dear friend, Carolina, and I'll talk to you at the end. I've talked about it here before, but CBD is really useful to me. And my favorite brand, my favorite producer of CBD is Cured Nutrition, and they're sponsoring today's episode. If you haven't used CBD, maybe now is the time to start. It's most commonly incorporated into wellness regimens to improve sleep, decrease inflammation, reduce the body's stress load. I use it sometimes before bed or or during the day when I'm feeling a bit anxious and I love their treats. They make these cookie dough snacks that are really, really great. And they have these mushroom plus CBD blends. They have, like I said, snacks and tinctures, and they even have dog treats. And all of them work with your body's natural system to produce clear benefits without the worry of the psychoactive component. And not many other companies can say that their products are completely locally sourced and crafted in-house. They have this very cool farm to bottle business model and they're made in Boulder, Colorado. I got to meet them. I really, really love this company. Each product is third party tested for potency and purity and it has the absence of any harmful contaminants like pesticides or heavy metals and they're just fully transparent, which I love. And you can read more about that on their website. But again, I love this company. I am finding CBD really useful right now and just normally. So check out Cured if you've been wanting to try CBD or you just need a refill. (laughs) You can use the code let it out and that's good for 15% off your order. Again, that's let it out and that's good for 15% off your order. I'm very excited to have people eavesdropping on our our nightly conversation. We are close friends. This is my very best friend, Chef Carolina Palmer, is here. <laughs> and we bonded last year. We were we were pretty close, I think, before, but we had we both had a pretty weird year. And I say this in my zine that I made about heartbreak because of course I had to make a whole zine about breakups last year that you were my person. Do you remember that, that that's in there? I do. Like based off of Grey's Anatomy. And we, we would call each other a lot. We, we cried a lot. I remember many moments. And it's a really beautiful thing that can be born from heartbreak is connection. That TV show actually that I mentioned to you the other night on our nightly phone call is kind of about that, about how female friendship is so important. And it made me sad 
that the point of that show was kind of about abandoning friends while in a relationship and then you know picking them up again after, which wasn't really the the case in our situation. But I think a beautiful thing about anything challenging from a heartbreak to a pandemic <laughs> is the connection that can come after that or as a result or throughout that. And so a great thing about you and I is that we luckily really had already been working our phone call muscle for a long time prior to this. But I will just say, not to scratch our own back, but you know, or pat our own back. (laughs) That's a different thing, scratch. We are killing it at the nightly phone call. We are. And we didn't have to get through the awkward first phone call that you have to do when you've never really spoken to someone on the phone. Yeah. I wonder when was the first time we spoke on the phone? Do you remember? Probably just a desperate phone call from one of us at some point late into the night when we were (laughs) already texting, you know, like 20 texts in. Yeah. I feel like I... We would talk on the phone a lot in New York, but we also, since I've been traveling a lot, like I remember, I remember call, I would call you when I was on my way home from the night in Paris and you would be, it would be earlier there and I would talk to you and then like wherever, and when I was in Bali, it would be my morning and your night. We've had a lot of like weird time zone chats over the last year. Yeah, but made it through. Yeah, we're here and our calls kind of have these three acts, but I thought it would be interesting before to talk about a year after a breakup. And that was kind of the thing that bonded us. But I think what's really interesting about where we are now is that we're really knowing and seeing each other in this way that the actor David Harbour that I love so much always talks about how he loves being made fun of in a really loving way because it shows that someone knows you and we all want to be known. And I think you're just this person that I love so much because we laugh a lot. And I I think we can, we have all these funny little things that we say that I'm your third child and you've taught me so many things and we're both only children. So I think you're sort of this cooler older sister that I've always wanted. And we just have this really interesting, beautiful relationship that that kind of started in, maybe it didn't start in that period, but I think it really got watered and grew out of that. Do you feel like that? Yeah. I mean, I think anytime we connect to people at such a tender moment in in their lives, that leads to this beautiful opportunity to open up to one another. And the fact that both of us were going through something similar and something difficult at the exact same time meant that we were both kind of cracked open and super vulnerable. And I think actually we both to some degree knew what the other person needed more than most people because we were also living it at the same time for ourselves, you know? Yeah. Which is what made it so kismet and so beautiful in that moment was that we could be there for each other even on a deeper level. As you were talking, I just remembered the first time we spoke on the phone. It was the end of 2018 and I was 
on my way to the Apple store to buy the computer we are now recording on <laughs> and it was snowing and I think we had like we were meant to hang out in person or something and you just called me out of the blue which was like such a strange sort of a thing you know like I feel like calling was until the pandemic really for probably a lot of people like something you only did when it was you know hey I'm on my way or like an emergency and that was when we we both kind of said to I remember I was headed back to basically my breakup and you were we both kind of said like I think our relationships are ending and it was just this like we don't know what's going to happen we're unsure but kind of like carry like jumping off of a ledge do you remember that I do I remember it really well because I went outside I went outside for a walk and I called you because we were supposed to meet up that night and I don't remember why we couldn't but anyway I just was really looking forward to talking to you to having a chat and I just really needed to talk to you in real time. Yeah, I remember that was a really comforting having that after we spoke right then and hanging up. I remember having this sense of relief of I'm in this with someone else. <laughs> like someone else is understanding. Like I, I feel safe enough to share this with someone else and someone else is going through it, which made me feel really sad for you as my friend, because I knew exactly what it felt like. Not exactly because it's always different, but I, I knew I knew for the first time really like what that was on a visceral level. And it made me feel less alone, which carried through more than I could have ever anticipated the entire next year. Yeah. I have many moments like that actually from Many of them are in that zine that I wrote, but from the that entire year of like moments with you, like I remember us sitting at the bar at Servos very soon after both of this and saying like one day being like, all right, I can see that this is going to be growth. And then I can then another time meeting and it being like over chips and salsa and it being like, I think it's a downward spiral or like every day was kind of different, but we were just checking in with each other of like, doing our best, still here. And every once in a while, we would both be up and sometimes one of us would be up and one of us would be down, but it was just this like constant person there that was just so incredibly comforting and something I'll, I'll never forget. And I feel connected to you forever for that. Ditto. I feel the same. And I think that's something that I, that was the ultimate gift that came out of this breakup for me recognizing my relationship with my female friends, deepening those relationships with my female friends, and also recognizing how lucky I am to have these incredible women in my life. And it's such a cliche to say, oh, you know, I leaned on my girlfriends and there's films about this and books about this, but it's true. It's true that female friendships are complicated and messy and layered and so integral to our lives as women, I think. Yeah. Do you think that men connect in a similar way to, I mean, I guess it depends on the person. I can generalize, but what I will say is that an interesting example that I observed in the last few weeks 
I was talking to someone who I'm close to who's a man. And um, this was kind of within the first week or two. I should say I live in New York City. And so I am now on our 20th day of being quarantined. So, or whatever lexicon we're on now, whatever word we're on. So within the first two weeks or so, I was speaking with this person and he had said that he was kind of spinning out and was feeling really lonely. And I said, you should check in with some friends. And he said, I don't, I'm not really sure what you mean. And I said, you know, I have been having coffee with a friend on the phone in the morning for 10 minutes or catching up at the end of the day or having weird dance parties or just discovering all these strange ways to connect with people. And he said, I don't really do that with my friends. And I thought that that was really telling because it might just be specifically for this person, but I don't know if men are so eager to connect over the phone. I think they connect in person. So I'm not sure if it's as natural for them, but I think it's also so necessary. You know, we're not meant to be so isolated and we're not meant to be so lonely. So, yeah, I think it's a muscle that you kind of have to build like anything else. Cause I'm thinking about my ex boyfriend actually, like he used to talk on the phone to his friends all the time. Like, one, like he barely texted, but he would just like pick up the phone and, and call people all the time. And I never really did that. And honestly, like you and a couple other of my friends I do talk to on the phone consistently that I live in different places, but it's pretty rare. And I remember like when we were consistently talking on the phone, really enjoying it, but it wasn't something that I think it is something you kind of have to warm up with. I'm really happy that it's a skill that I've developed because I think there was this really great article on the cut that my friend Clara wrote about dating without texting. And I think that constant, like all day long, like I was in a long distance relationship and I, we barely spoke on the phone. I mean, we, we would, but it was like, I wasn't good at it and I would get kind of annoyed and I would like be distracted or doing other things. And I think it really comes down to like deep listening and being really present. And it's not to say you can't like also fold laundry or like we're always all eating or like on the phone while we're peeing or like doing other things. And I think that's like, I saw this really great distinction. Company is connection without pressure. Instead of like hanging out, just we're, I think we're kind of lacking company right now. And you can kind of, there can be times where you're really connecting on the phone and you're listening, you're in a conversation, but you can also just be having company, you know, like just having someone around in a way while you're living your life. And I think they're both really good and they're both really valuable, but it's a talking to you frequently it's a skill I'm happy that I've developed, you know what I mean? Or that you have to kind of develop it in each relationship. But yeah, I, th- I think it's a, it's a positive thing other than being, you know, glued to what we've been doing recently is since this pandemic, instead of texting all day long, although we do kind of have a constant stream of like sending each other things that we think will delight the other person and remind us of each other, which I also love, but we've just been checking in at the end of the day and knowing that that's there, I think is really nice. Totally. And actually, I think that I realize now that that, as you're saying that, that's my preferred way to communicate with my close friends is maybe not a, you and I do have an everyday check-in, but that's because now we're, this is it. Like 
we've locked into this thing. But it's interesting that you say that because the phone call thing, I kind of started experimenting with it maybe in the last two years. I think I just had this moment where I was so burnt out on texting and also just feeling so lonely in my day to day. I'm around people all day. I'm walking around in the city. I'm, I have two small children, so I'm constantly doing things and going out and around people, but I was missing this feeling of deep connection. And so there were a few people, close friends that I just decided to start calling. And every single time I did it, everyone was shocked. Every person on the first time picked up the phone, you know, like it was a 911 call. And <laughs> I would have to preface by saying, Hey, I just, you know, I really want to talk. I know we usually text. And these were friends who I texted with every night or checked in with most days, but I just felt like I wanted to talk to them. And just like you, it was kind of, you know, maybe didn't feel so natural the first few times. And then I started feeling more and more normal. But what's interesting is that as I started talking to those people, they started expressing the same thing. And so I wonder if it's a trend of people, you know, pre pandemic, I guess we'll never know now, but I wonder if it would have become a trend of people starting to talk on the phone again, because when I was growing up, it was a big deal to have your own phone line and talk on the phone and talk to your friends for hours. And it kind of felt like it kind of feels like that again. Yeah. I mean, I'm really glad you started that with me. And I also really love voice texting now. And I think that's a become a really useful thing when you when a phone call isn't possible too of like a way to connect in in real time or not in real time but in a less concise way of a text message and not the back and forth of a text message of you know having to be at your phone and it being a chat i i like obviously i like the medium of speaking into a microphone and and knowing that someone else is going to listen and respond and hear what I'm going to say. And sometimes you just need to let something out immediately. And so I, I really like that, which is something that we've done as well, a lot, actually. Like I think you and I, you are the person who I've exchanged. I think our record was once in Australia. You sent me like a 20-minute voice text that I responded to with another 20 minutes back. <laughs> yeah. I love voice texts too. And, the, and they're really fun and it feels a lot more intimate. But I think actually what we're both getting at is this feeling of connection. And I think that that's the thing that everyone is trying to get back to. And I think with the voice text and with phone calls, and now there's this distinct feeling of isolation that everyone around the whole world is having to reckon with. And what does that mean for us? And what does it mean to connect? And what does it mean to be lonely? And how long can we do this for? How long can we survive like this, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think the phone thing really takes it to another level than voice text because it's less controlled, right? Like it's, it's you, you can't edit yourself. You can't stop and start like you can when you're typing a text or even with there's, there's less control. It allows for uncertainty. It's, it's improv. You know what I mean? And I think that that's what's really confronting. That's why I didn't like it. That's why like, even right now, like I'm spiraling about a thing I said 10 minutes ago, you know what I mean? Like it, 
it happens. This is real life. This is messy. This is like you were saying, this is it. And, and being able to be, this is intimacy. You know, it's being seen for who you are that day. And there are some times where like, I've gotten on the phone with you and I'm just like, I've got nothing today. I am not my feeling my best right now. And I've been seen like that. And that's not my best self. That's not when I want to be seen. That's not me sparkly. That's me like at the end of the day, sleepy or me in between things kind of stressed. But And you've also hopefully <laughs> caught me at some good moments. And I think that is... A relationship. Like that's what happens when you have a intimate relationship, a relationship where you're going to see someone's best and worst and highs and lows, you know? Totally. And that's where you get those beautiful nuggets of intimacy, like you were saying, because I love to rewrite a text. I love to edit an email. I love to sit and you know, choose the right words and make sure it's witty and make sure it's perfect and just in just the right cadence. And that's not real timing. And that's not, we cannot self edit ourselves in real time, like you're saying. And that's where we get all our funny little neuroses from too. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I've said this a million times, but I believe that we all want to be seen and recognized for who we really are and loved for that. And we're afraid of being seen for who we really are and not loved or not accepted. And so then we just don't show ourselves. And that's what I did. And that's what I still have the tendency to do of like being a version of myself or like being overly whatever, like just kind of wearing these masks and you know it, like you can sense it. And I think when you're close to someone, they can tell when you're not really there. And that is connection. And I think too, like the the thing that the phone call allows is what I was talking about before, company, other than like the pressure of... Sometimes it is... A, like sometimes we are having deep conversations and going in to these pockets of our mind that you know, it can feel like therapy or it can feel like learning about ourselves. Or sometimes we're talking about art or culture, but other times we're just like being really silly and we're just kind of there while the other one's doing something else. And that company part of things is, I think, in this time period of loneliness, just as important as the deep listening connection. Yeah. And also hearing someone move through the world, you know, hearing tenor in their voice and hearing how they're feeling by how they're speaking to you. You know, you can tell a lot about someone's day. I know that you and I are walking around, we're living our lives, we're talking to each other throughout it all. And it's nice to feel like you're there with someone, especially right now. Yeah. Can you tell things about me, how I'm feeling based off of my voice when I pick off the phone? Yeah. For sure. And especially in your voice texts, I can tell because like you said, it feels intimate, but it feels like less pressure because you're just kind of chatting at no one. Yeah. And so you're not looking for an immediate response. You're not looking for that resolve in the conversation. You're just kind of volleying back to that person. Yeah. So yeah, I can tell for sure. It it feels a little bit like the pressure is off 
when you're sending voice texts. And so I think that gives you a little bit of room to just let it out. Yeah. I really like the control of a voice text. (laughs) Like I like that I can think about my response prior but it's not the pressure. It doesn't take me as long as a text would. And it's not as like a text. You have to sort of think about what you're going to say where with a voice text, I feel like I can still be long winded and spirally and say my point seven times and like circle back to it and realize something 10 minutes in and whatever. But I can kind of control the narrative where, where you're talking real time. You aren't controlling the timing and the circumstances and the, what someone says back to you and I think they're they're both really good and interesting, but I know that for me, a good practice is to make the time and be on the phone because I feel very comfortable in a voice text situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wanted to read you something that I read today. Is that okay if I tell you Please. what it is? Okay. So this is from Frank Rooney. He's a journalist. He writes for the New York Times and it's an opinion piece that came out today. And um, you can link this, Katie. Great. The piece that he wrote is about the lockdown and it's about loneliness and it's about kind of these virtual connections that we're trying to forge. And he is quoting different researchers about what digital connection is going to bring in the future in that, you know, it doesn't look great for us. They think there's going to be a lot of negative outcomes is what this piece is about. But anyway, the reason it made me think about online dating is because you and I have talked endlessly about our opinions on online dating. And anyway, I've felt I've been trying to figure out what it is about online dating that makes me feel so kind of uncomfortable and like what is lacking that's making me not... I don't know if uncomfortable is the word, but it's like something is lacking that makes me so uninterested in it. And I couldn't put my finger on it. And the way this researcher talks about digital connection, like really hit the nail on the head for me. So I wanted to read it to you. Okay, great. Frank Rooney, but he's quoting a psychiatrist from Duke University called Dan Blazer. And so he says, Blazer noted that we have five senses, sight, hearing, smell, touch, and taste. Only the first two come into play when we interact with someone online. I've worked with older people for many years, and sometimes just putting a hand on their arm can make a big difference in being able to communicate with them, he said. And then he comes up with a great... This makes me want to cry. Listen to this part. He comes up with a great metaphor for digital versus actual encounters. An online conversation, she said, is kind of like processed food. It's better than nothing. It's convenience in a clutch, satiating in the moment and easily consumed by enormous numbers of people. Some forms of it have some nutrition, but it's not optimal or sustainable long-term. And then it goes on and on. So good. So good. And as I was reading that, I was just thinking like, that is it. That is the thing specifically about online dating that turns me off so much is that I just don't get how you can get a connection with someone. I guess that's the point. I mean, that's why you have to meet up with someone in real life. And maybe I'm just a ding dong about the whole thing, but it just seems like it doesn't quite (laughs) for me. There's this person, Matthew Hussey. Do you ever read his stuff? 
anyway, he has this thing where he's like, it's not online dating, it's online introduction services. Sure. Which I totally get. And it's like, he, his whole thing is like, use it as like, when are we meeting up? When are we talking on the phone? And he wrote something about this moment we're in. And he was just like, talk on the phone, surprise people, get on the phone with people quickly. And just like we were talking about, which I think is really interesting and confronting and, you know, talking to a stranger. And, you know, I think that that's it's interesting. I used to exclusively record this podcast remotely for many years, the first maybe like 100 episodes or so. And then when I moved to New York, I decided I only wanted to do it in person, like as a challenge to myself. And I'm so happy that I had those first 100 episodes remote because I think much like we were saying with voice texting to talking in real time, there's more control there. Like I, it's easier to show up on time. I don't have to worry about what I'm wearing. I can have my notes right in front of me. I don't have to worry about eye contact. There's so many factors that are more in my control where when you're together with someone in person, there's all of these things that can happen and outside people and how you look and and there's all of these elements that come in. But like, do you want... It's it's kind of just like anything in life. It's like, that's why we're here. Like, do you want to have a real experience? Like, do you want to have the weirdness and the messiness? Like, that's that's what I think about. I think about that a lot with sex, right? It's like sex is messy. It's like it's weird. It's bodies. It's like seeing another person, and it's and it's all the stuff that's like before and after. You know what I mean? Like it's it's the connection. It's the um that's what you remember. And that's what I would always say about this interview style of like doing it in person or remote. If we like this, we'll probably remember, but, and I guess we were just talking about how we remember a phone call from two years ago, but my, usually I always say, if we recorded this on Skype, I would probably forget about it in five years. But if I'll remember the experience of like coming over to someone's house, what that felt like, what I was wearing, like I can picture so many of the people that I've interviewed in the last two years, three years, really, really well, where like a lot of those ones I did over Skype, it was just like another person from my room. Like they all kind of blend together, you know? Totally. And I think that a big part of intimacy is that it's facilitated by everything that's around us. It's not just that person and you. It's everything that leads up to it and everything after, just like you said. And I think when we're removed physically from a person, it changes the entire dynamic. We exist differently for someone when we're not in front of them. Yeah. And I think it's really nice that we have technology. Like I don't know how they got through the Spanish flu without it, but and many people didn't. <laughs> but I'm just I'm so grateful that we have this option, that we have our phones, that we have computers to connect with people right now. But it's not the same. That's I want to touch and look and go places and it it's really showing me how much, even familiar strangers, like how much that means to me. Yeah. Do you feel like, you know, something I have been thinking about and and wrestling with in the last couple of weeks, because one really interesting, beautiful thing that's come out of this is hearing from people I haven't heard from in a really long time, which is nice, but also I felt, and, and just people that just a lot of connecting with a lot of different people, but 
I feel like I can really only be close with honestly, like one or two people at a time. Like my grandma would always say, you can count your real friends on one hand. And I think that that's really true. I don't think I can be close with much more than five people tops at a time. But even that I'm finding is too much for me. Like I can really only have like one or two people kind of at a time that I'm really, or maybe slightly more than that, that I'm real, that I can really be there for fully. Cause I, you know, like I'm so full on when like, if I'm, I'm so, we're both, we should also say too, we're almost exactly five years apart in both Tauruses and both extremely loyal, I would say, but we're like really full on when we're, when we're friends, right? Yeah, I would say my friendships are an extremely important part of my life. I value them tremendously and I put a lot of time and effort into them. But I think to some degree, I demand that my friends put in a lot of time and effort with me as well. And that's only something that I really made a priority in the past few years. Yeah. How do you do that? How do you, because I sometimes feel like I'm, putting in so much and then I'm disappointed when I'm not feeling that back. How do you handle that? It's part of just finding your own self-worth. And a lot of that just comes through that, that self-observation. And I think that that's something that is so confronting for a lot of people right now is that kind of rec- that moment of reckoning because I've, something I've been thinking about a lot actually in the past week is this idea that we are a composite of all the people, like all the actions and and thoughts and beliefs of other people that we surround ourselves with, right? Whether that's virtually or in person in real time. And so without that, I think a lot of people are having to really evaluate and take an inventory of what it is that they demand from others around them and who they are and what they even want, right? And so that's something that I really worked through actually after I got divorced because I was really starting to think about who I was at this point and what was important to me. And if I was making that important, then I also had to demand that other people, you know, whether that's a partner or a friend, made it just as important. Otherwise, you know, it's not like a what's the point kind of situation because it's never going to be completely 50-50 in any relationship, I think. And that's something that I've learned as well, that it's, you know, so much of it is just being flexible. But within but within that framework of flexibility, you have to have a kind of solid foundation of what it is you mean to one another. And I think with great friends, you kind of get that understanding. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the strange thing about friendship. Like there's no contract. There's no, Hey, we're going to be best friends now, or we're going to be the type of friends that check in with each other every day, or it, you just kind of fall into that. And so I think something I really struggle with, which I know is probably a self-worth issue and probably an anxiety thing, but feeling safe in a friendship or feeling like I, you know, this is probably like getting into childhood stuff of like being abandoned or feeling left out. And I have a big aversion of like, I don't 
ever want to make someone feel like that. And I don't want to feel like that. You know, I don't want to feel left out or abandoned, or I, I, I will feel really close to someone. And, and that's the thing with friendship that's unlike romantic relationships is like, you have to just be okay with it and see how it evolves. And something I've been thinking about so much in the last week is about how so much of life is timing. Like so much of life is in success and relationships and big moments really are so fickle and they're just about like us, you know, like we bonded over right place, right time, you know, like if maybe if we lived across the country or if one of us moved or something, maybe it wouldn't have become what our relationship became. Or maybe if, you know, my breakup was five years after yours or who knows, like maybe we would have been close, maybe not, or maybe it would have just been different and that could have also been great, but it may not have been this. And I just think it's about being really present and letting things unfold as they are. And my thing is like not trying to control and be like, this is what this is. Like I, my other best friend who you, you know, well, I remember it once after, after this breakup, I, I've tried to like do that with her. And I tried to, to be like, I need to see you every day and I need to do this. And I need that. And she was just like, dude, like you were fine before. Like you'll, you'll be fine now. Like you just have to, I, I can't give that to you, you know, like, and you have to just allow things to unfold. I mean, it's kind of like a codependency thing. Too. It's, a, it's a finding out what works in a friendship and finding out being in the flow of like present moment awareness of like, this is what this relationship is. And this is what it means to me. And I think I really believe you get what you give. Anytime I'm feeling insecure or, or weird in a relationship, I try to think about what I'm giving. And that usually shifts it, you know? Totally. What's interesting is that I got divorced after being married for 10 years. And so I think for me, another, I guess, another really beautiful thing that came out of that once I kind of went through (laughs) that horrible darkness is also having a real kind of sense of I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for, but I feel like it's kind of just being like a sense of yourself, like getting to know yourself. What I'm trying to say is like having an awareness that the bottom could fall out basically, which is not something I felt before. I think I was quite young when I got married and I think I had a real hopeful outlook. I'm not a cynic. I should say, I, I don't really, I wouldn't call myself that. And I, for the most part, have like a optimism and a hopeful outlook for most things in life. And I didn't anticipate this. I don't think most people anticipate getting divorced when they get married. But having that real moment where everything did fall apart and then coming through the other side, I guess, is is the, the hard part, the tricky part. But I think with that profundity of misery comes this great understanding that you can't, uh, it sounds so cheesy, but you know, just the, the knowing and the deep, deep understanding that you can make it through. I love yeah. the quote, it's from Harburn. And in it, she says, the dreams break into a million tiny pieces and then the dream dies and then you have a choice. 
you can settle for reality or you can go off and dream another dream. And I think I may have just butchered that, but I love that so much because it's so hopeful. And I think that that's, I don't know, maybe I I used to have that control too. And now I feel it much, much less because I got so shaken. Yeah. I've been thinking about that. First of all, I'm so proud of you and I'm just, I don't know. I just love you so much. And I'm sorry that you ever have to go through any muck, but I'm proud of you for going through all the muck you've been through and where you are now. And now you're going through more muck. Thanks, pal. We all are. Yeah. But I, I've been thinking about that of like what you've been saying of all of my muck. Sometimes I'm shocked that like everything I wanted, all of my worst fears a year ago have happened. Yeah. and. I am still here. You know, that's what I say on my story every time, like still here, still here another day. Like here I am. And that's resiliency, like showing like, okay, I guess I can bounce. And some days it's really hard. And other days I feel kind of held up and everything's sort of working and I feel sparkly. And my friend that I recorded with my friend last night and she said that growth is a spiral, like you're going upwards, but it's not always straight. And that's what's so great about friendship that they can, you know, be around during the messiness and see you. And yeah, man, it's it's nice. (laughs) I have a question for you. Yeah. Who are your favorite female friends in pop culture? I wrote that down as well. I actually, when we get to it, have a celebrity quiz and that was going to be one of my questions on it or one of the questions on it. I didn't make it was who would the celebrity, who would be our celebrity friends of our friendship? Our celebrity double date? That too. Yeah, that too. Or who would be most like us in friends, which is a hard question to answer. Let's let me think about this. Um, like, who would be us? You know what I mean? Like, play us in the movie, I guess. Who are also friends with each other? Revisit okay. that. But I want to know who are your favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. You know, I'm just gonna go. Well, I don't know. This might be a sort of cop out answer. I mean, I really love a Monica, Rachel, or like a even. I I always loved. Phoebe and Rachel, like, was like a bit quirky and and weird, but Monica and Rachel are like such best friends, you know? Like, you really, I always think about that one episode when Chandler and Monica are about to move in with each other. And Rachel and Monica, I think, are kind of like picking a fight because they know it's going to be over. And then they're fighting. And then Monica says to Rachel, like, you're leaving and I have to live with a boy. Do you remember that part? I always really love that. I remember feeling that way. My college roommate, Shannon, who is still one of my best friends, we were no longer living together. We hadn't been living together for a long time. She was I was already living in New York. She was living in Charlotte, where she still lives. But she told me that when she told me she was engaged and getting married, I remember going down there to celebrate with her. And I remember just having this feeling of such deep sadness, like, oh, I'm losing you to a boy. (laughs) Um, But I just, yeah, I remember that so well. Um, Do you want to hear mine? Yes, I do. I was just going to ask. 
So my runners up are um, Little Women, of course, the sisters from Little Women. But it's kind of, you and I are only children, so it's a little bit unfair to choose sisters because that's ultimately what we always want our best friends to be. But my other choice, my top choice forever and ever, best best friends ever in the history of best friends, another only child, just like us, my dear darling, Anne Shirley, Anne of Green Gables. Oh, you love her. You love her. Most treasured book, my most treasured story. And Anne Shirley and Diana are bosom friends, as she calls them. And it is the sweetest, most pure love between two girls and then later two women. And as a kid, I had all the Anne books, I had the whole series. Um, and any Anne head like me will have watched the double VHS that came in the, the dark green box. And I just loved it. I loved their friendship so much. And I just wanted a bosom friend like Diana to go to my life with. I always felt really kismet. Like I, I felt really a deep connection with Anne Shirley because she was a little, always a little bit too much and kind of a flair for the dramatic. And I don't know. I just always, I wanted to be seen the way that Diana saw Anne and loved her, you know? Yeah. Oh, I love that. I, I, God, my Sasha, who you know, and who has been on this podcast, always tells me that I need to, says that about me, that I remind her of her, of I think like the being too much probably. Oh, I really love that. Do you feel like you found your bosom buddy? You can be my Diana. Oh, I'm honored. I'm you can honored. be the Monica to my Rachel or the Rachel to my Monica. Neither of us are really like either of them. How do you feel about the friendships? This is controversial. How do you feel about the friendships on Sex and the City? Hmm. I feel like everyone kind of centered around their friendship with Carrie. And I always loved moments where, like, I loved that one where Miranda, like, I would love to see, like, Miranda and Charlotte together. Or there's that episode that's very sweet where Charlotte brings like a basket over to Samantha or like, I always loved those moments. Cause I was kind of like, I love you four together and you're one-on-one with Carrie, but you, you, that show was more about women and a group than it was about friendship to me. Yeah, I agree. Oh, can I change my answer? Okay. My favorite friendship that I think would like, I would like to be our friendship depicted in a movie is the ultimate one. From the recent movie, which we saw together at the Angelica Theater. Beanie! Yeah, book smart. That friendship is my absolute favorite depiction of friendship that I've seen in a really long time. Talk about purity and joy. And I love their friendship in Booksmart. And I think this this will like depict our friendship and my this will just show you like my weird neuroses. You know this story, but Last year, it was probably like about a year ago, I was in LA, you were in New York, and out of nowhere, I get a text, like probably a plethora of texts, because you have a tendency of like, when you you text very quickly and very short and very like a lot at once, like you're clearly doing it and then you're like with your kids or doing things and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, just, you know, when you get notifications for texts, you'll just see the top one come in. Uh I just saw the top 
part and it was from you and it just said, how dare you in all capital letters. And I didn't even look at the rest and I'm in a phone booth at the wing like... And I must have been in a vulnerable place. I just start bawling. I'm having a bad day. And I was like, Carolina's mad at me. And I'm like instantly going through my mind of like, what? Did, oh my God. Oh my God. Did I like do something weird? Like I just was like going through all of my things. And then you had, you had said to me, how dare you take my breath away? Which is obviously a line from the movie and hilarious and so well-timed and so perfect. But it took me a minute and I was a ding dong and didn't get it. Do you remember that? Do you remember me responding and being like, What? <laughs> And then I was spiraling because I was like, oh, no, she doesn't get my, like, text humor. And uh, uh, that was a hell. Yeah, there, there we go. That's the, that's the messiness of this. <laughs> that's why texting is no good. Well, we also made up a thing because do you remember this? And we haven't had to use it, knock on wood, in a very long time. But I'm really happy we have it because... Everyone's living their lives. Everyone's doing their stuff. But like, if I didn't hear from you and I would like think that you're dead or just be scared or like we made up a thing of like, if we really needed each other, we do you remember this even? Yeah, yeah, we picked an emergency emoji. And we, if we send the tennis racket, it means like, I just need to know you're okay. Like just quickly say like, I, I love you. I'm here for you. Like, I can call you later, like something just so we like aren't spiraling. And so that can just be like off the table and just knowing that we have that safe emoji makes me feel so cozy. So cozy. And also it's just like really useful to know that like, this is one of my favorite things, favorite memories of our, I want, I, this is one of my questions for you actually, a favorite memory from our friendship. This is in the, in the quiz. Actually, I found this 17 magazine friendship quiz that we're going to do in a in a moment but this is a preview from that one of the questions was favorite friendship memory and mine i think was when i was so sick earlier this year or last year and you like really really checked on me like i felt like you really gave a shit and i think when you're a single woman living alone having been in relationships like being sick sucks. Like being sick sucks if you're married. Being sick sucks if you're in a it, when you're a child. Like being sick sucks. But I think there's a particular loneliness that comes when you are really in something alone. And you texting me, like making sure I was okay. That time was just really when I felt like I was like, oh, this is like a family type relationship. That's really sweet. Yeah. And what about you? I of one while you're talking. And uh, now I think there's a lot of really good, obvious ones that you and I could both say. We go see a lot of music together. We love a picnic, lots of coffee, um, <laughs> some really good walks. But I just had a really sweet moment pop into my head. And it was when you came over. It was just some random night when you came over and you're hanging out. And I had put my kids to sleep and one of them had woken up and had had a bad dream or something. And I talked to him back again and then I came out into the living room and I was kind of annoyed because I was wanting to hang out with my friend and we were having a chat and a glass of wine. And I talked him back in and he came out again and he said, Mama, can you just stay with me in the room? until I fall asleep and I was of course kind of annoyed and you said um I'll just come in with you Uh 
we went in the room together and I talked to men and I said, I'll stay right here at the foot of your bed. And you stayed with me in that dark room with their sound machine on with like the rain sound. And we just whispered to each other back and forth for like half an hour while I rubbed his little back. And it was so, so sweet. And I was so grateful that you just were like, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. I'll just stay with you. And we just continued on our whisper conversation. That's so nice. That makes me, I thought you were talking about a different night at first, but I do remember that. I love that. Another thing that we both, I think, could have said, like the obvious answer, I think, of our best moment of our friendship was you came with me to teach my workshop I teach every year at Kripalu and we had this road trip and you rented a large red pickup truck that you drove us in. And we listened to Lilith Fair music in this big red pickup truck, which was so perfect. But your word of the year there at Kripalu, we we all picked words of the year and your word was sweetness. And I feel like our friendship has so much sweetness, you know? There's this moment, one of those nights of me coming over where it felt so magical and witchy. And like we were listening to Stevie Nicks and drinking wine. And I just, I think I had like been somewhere before and I was wearing a dress and you gave me your, I'm wearing like my dress with sweatpants underneath it and you cooked me dinner. And and that's something else I wanted to talk about because I think our relationship so centers around so many things, but we've really bonded over food and you've been such a expansive person to me with that, which is if people have listened to this podcast at any length or read anything that I've written on the internet, they probably know that my relationship to food and my body is really complicated. And you are a unicorn who has a really beautiful relationship to food. And it's part of your work as a chef, as a creative life artist person who is right now currently a pioneer woman cooking every single meal and doing school for her children, watching the way that you interact with with food from restaurants in New York to cooking for me when I would come over on these nights and just has really shifted my perspective and been so useful. I love cooking for you. You're a good audience because you are excited about everything which makes it really fun to eat with you and cook with you. Oh man. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, who, Oh, this is one of the questions on the quiz. So we're, I, we're meant to answer them for each other, but this one I think is really interesting. The question was, what do you order at a bar? And then it says, what do you order at one of your favorite restaurants? So I think we should do that one right now as, a, as an appetizer for us to dig in a little bit deeper on this conversation of food and eating and connection over food, which is something that a topic that you just is so rich and I think you have so much on. And, and we've, it is actually part of our nightly phone calls because one of the many segments is us telling each other what we ate, which is sounds like it could be weird or problematic, but for us, it's so much sweetness and it's really useful for me to know like another you I consider based off of Ellen Satter's definition, normal eater of someone who has a really beautiful, nourishing relationship to food where you find pleasure and joy in it, but you also look at it as something that's not that big of a deal, but it's fun when it is a big deal. And that's just been so useful for me to be around. Okay, so before we dive into that more, let's pause for a moment to think 
back to a time where we went to restaurants. God. So I'll say this. Carolina always orders for us without exception. <laughs> and you do a great job. Thank you. So let's pick for the people one or two restaurants. Maybe we each pick one and then we'll say our order there. Would you like to do that? Sure. That sounds great. Okay, great. Well, one definitely has to be the French diner, which we've had many a night at the bar there. Um, God, if we only knew that the last time we went would be the last one. <laughs> that was the, our last meal. That was our last meal in New York on New Year's Eve. Oh my God. <laughs> I, actually, I can do it. I think I can, I'm going to take a stab at this. I'd like to try to tell people what we order there. We get one Caesar salad and it is the best banana Caesar salad other than the one that Carolina makes based off of it, which I do think is better. <laughs> we also order the Sukka, Soka, am I saying that correct? Soka. And I've learned we've learned our lesson after trial and error. We definitely need two orders. Didn't we get two orders last time? Correct. Yeah, two orders. And then there's a seafood that we usually get. Is it the scallops? Um, we've gotten that. We've also gotten octopus. That we oh, yeah. We love a good octopus. Yeah, we order well there and really great natural wine. Like there was a really good natural. We had a whole bottle the last time and it was a delight. Yeah. That's another great place. Is there more that you want to, another place you'd like to share? Yeah, I think our other favorite place is a restaurant on the Lower East Side. It's called Servos. We go there a lot. I don't know why this is making me teary. I'm literally tearing up. <laughs> no, I know. I was thinking about it tonight because as I told you, I wanted to set the mood for myself. So I showered before the, we recorded and I made myself a cocktail as if we were going to hang out, which made me sad. But... It kind of put me in the spirit. So when we go to Servos, we like to sit at the bar. We like to sit by the windows and we order half the menu. So always French fries, <laughs> always bread, always a cocktail for Katie. I get wine. Usually we get some kind of prawn situation. That's really good. We also get um, a salad and what is the other thing? It's like um, sardines. Oh, oh my God. They once had, it's not on the menu anymore, but they had, it was like these little stacks of spinach with sardines on the top. And it was honestly the best thing I've eaten in New York. But my favorite memory at Servos was when the bartender, who was this really cool woman, looked at us. Do you remember this? And she was like, you guys need some bread for that. Like we had just had only extra sauce and she brought us over some big hunks of bread. And it was one of my most joyful food moments. And I've had many of my most joyful food moments with you because I was so restrictive and didn't eat anything for so long. And I think seeing you and being like, oh, this is a person who just like, Oh, okay. We're eating. Okay. We're eating French fries. Got it. Okay. We're doing, we're having wine. Oh, okay. You really like showed me how to be a person in a lot of ways around food that I couldn't do for myself. And it sounds silly. And to someone who doesn't have a history of a complicated, tumultuous relationship with food or their body, or it, this would just sound bizarre. But 
to me, it's really meaningful. Like you taught me to like, oh, I can have a cocktail and I can have a glass of wine and I can have some bread and I can have some French fries and we can have chips and salsa. And I would just do it with you because I trusted you and I felt safe. And I just was kind of like, oh, here we are. And I thought you were cool. And it was really useful. And it really like changed my life. (laughs) It sounds dramatic, but it's like not at all. (laughs) It's like very accurate. Wow. I've loved all those times that we've dined together. Well, it's kind of like getting to show someone a movie you love and they get to watch it for the first time and watching, I imagine watching it again with them is kind of like what you get to experience with your third child, me. (laughs) That's true, actually, now that you're saying it, because that's what I was kind of saying when I said earlier that you're kind of game for for most dining experiences because so much of it is so new to you, which is so sweet and exciting for me, you know, because I do love food so much. And for me, food and sharing food with someone and cooking with someone or or cooking for someone and feeding people is another form of intimacy, truly for me. And I find it one of the most intimate ways to communicate with someone. And so being able to have those joyful meals with you means so much. Mm. It's interesting because all of those You've been with me for all of these firsts. And I think now it's been a bit that now I'm starting to, I think you'll find it similar to with your other children. Like I'm starting to, you've trained me well, right? Like I'm starting to have opinions about things like, actually, let's do this instead of this. Or like, I want two of those. Or like seeing, seeing that come out of me instead of like, the fear and worry or, you know what I mean? Like, I think that will be like an interesting phase that we can, that we're moving towards in this family. (laughs) Yeah. It does feel really good to see you making choices and, and moving forward on, you know, making bigger, bigger plans for yourself in that way. How about going back to, do you have anything else to say about connection and food and intimacy or just like how you've had such a, your relationship with food is one that seems so easy and cool. (laughs) That's funny. Um, (laughs) You and I have talked about this at length and it's very interesting to me because I am someone who does not identify as a person who has a complicated relationship with food, like you said. So food to me... You don't have an addictive personality too. Like I think that's always something that we differentiate with this because I do really a lot. Yeah, I don't have an addictive personality at all. I don't really like find that I need to control things. I'm pretty moderate in most things. But food is something that is super joyful for me. I love cooking. I, it's like uh, such a big form of expression for me and something that came out of an art background that I have. And somewhere along the line, I figured out it was a way of getting kind of a quick hit of creative fulfillment. It's like the easiest way to make something versus, you know, like making, writing a song or painting something. It's like, 
you can make something really quickly with food and it's beautiful and it's useful and you can enjoy it on so many levels. So mm. that's something that really speaks to me as a creative person and as someone who really just continually tries to enjoy as much as I can out of my everyday little moments, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We saw this Leonard Cohen documentary last summer, I think. And he, or they were talking about Marianne, his muse, and she calls herself a life artist. And we left the theater and I was like, that's you. You're a life artist. That's why I love you so much. And that's why I admire you so much. And that's why I'm so inspired by you of like the way you live your life of you are someone who the way you plate your food is art. The way you sit before dance class reading a book is art. The way you ride the subway and speak. One compliment I gave you recently was that Carolina is so... She's going to come on and we'll do more chats like this all the time so you'll get to hear this more. But she is great at telling a story and really gives you a audiobook of whatever happened in terms of like she's great at remembering dialogue and so even the way she tells a story is art and I think that really shook me in a way of like that is mindfulness that is how I want to live my life of like I always joke with her that she I'm talking about you like you're not here with you that you dress for the job you want <laughs> like you are always dressed cool and even right now while we're recording a podcast remotely, you washed your hair, you know, like that is you in a nutshell, you know, like there's a level of care that you put into what you do. And I feel like you've been most disgusted with me when I've like thrown together weird yogurt and like weird combinations of food. And you're just like, come on. Like, and I think it's really, it showed me like a different and you're most proud of me when I do, maybe I should frame it that way. When I do, when I choose to slow down, be mindful, make these moments, because I think, I wonder if it's, you know, because you've done that for your kids or because you have that forced slowdown of being a mother, maybe that's part of it, but I think it's really inherent in you as an artist. Thank you, Katie. That's really, all of that is so, so nice. I think that I always wanted to be a mom. And I always, I guess, endeavored to create this really kind of creative life for my kids. That's something that I always hoped that I could do. And I think I'm doing that to the best degree that I can. I really try to be present. And in that, I, I try to really model for them what I hope that they can create for themselves. It's hard. It's really hard, but it's something that I really find so rewarding is when I see my kids freely making choices about the work they want to create and the things that they find important. I know that all sounds a bit obscure the way I'm describing it. I don't mean to be so abstract about it, but it's kind of like I can just see it in them, you know? I don't really examine it that much. I just try to not make trivial things a big deal to the to the best degree that I can and and to find joy in small things, you know, for for them and for myself because 
really like what is a day but a composite of all these small moments. That's so poetic. See, you're so poetic. What about when you're feeling overwhelmed? Because I think the the thing that prevents me from doing that, I have moments of it, but very rarely because I think I have a tendency of moving really fast, doing lots of little things, overthinking things over, like you were saying, you're really moderate. I'm this extremist and this, it's either all everything or nothing, you know, and how do you, do you ever feel overwhelmed and what helps you? A hundred percent of the time I feel overwhelmed. <laughs> but <laughs> I think a huge driving force in my life currently is regret. So for better, for worse, I am constantly thinking about regret, not regretting things that already happened, but like thinking about the future and whether or not I'll regret something. And so, you know, even with food, like I said, it's not like I make every meal extraordinary and special. However, within that framework, I do take three times a day plus snacks, whatever, how many times I eat, I do take that as an opportunity to kind of celebrate that moment. So whatever that moment is, whether it's like extra time and I'm, you know, making dinner in the evening or I'm throwing together something for lunch, I do try to really make that the priority in that moment. Yeah, it it slows you down. I think that's something about food that I've really missed. I'm still working on and not doing that well at but trying of using it as a time to, even if I, I think what I've gotten good at, be, largely because of you, doing it when I'm with other people, but to do that on your own when no one's watching kind of takes this, this self honesty and this understanding of the importance of that. Well, I think it goes back to self worth too. Yeah. Where do you feel like you are with, with self worth? You know, if it was a pie chart, I think some of it would have bigger sections than others. Mm -hmm. It's like growth in some areas and some still feel pretty scary. Yeah. Upward spiral, spiraling towards self-worth, spiraling towards growth, I think. And that's like, I think it always ebbs and flows. Like when one area of my life feels kind of okay, there's others that that kind of go. I'm, I'm always trying to keep all the buckets full of water at the same time, which I think is really hard. And the myth of balance, I don't think it's possible. No, it's definitely not possible. Um, And that's okay. I've had to homeschooling my kids. Now we're in week three. I think we're not really supposed to call it homeschooling. We're supposed to call it distance learning. But anyway, it's so fucking hard. It's really, really hard. It's hard for everybody, but What I have realized now that we're going into the third week is that my kids don't do great if I'm trying to do 800 other things during that time. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed it in their focus. I've noticed it in their willingness to really dig deep in their work. And I've noticed it in their general kind of moods. And so, what that tells me is that. That's just how that's going to be for now. And like another kind of grieving that I had to do in this process of grieving the loss of my personal space for, you know, lack of a better term, like I have none again, 
until, until, you know, I have, um, they do spend time with their dad, but we decided at the beginning of this outbreak that they would basically stay here until this thing was over. And so that's okay. I just had to kind of let go of that. And that's what balance is right now for me is like a lot of stuff got put on hold. This is what's happening. And like, I just have to like fight against the tide every day. Yeah. Fight that feeling of wanting to do a thousand other things. Yeah. Well, I'm really proud of you. And that's really inspiring and something that I need to look at and really examine in my life of like prioritizing, like, okay, what is it that can't be done later? What is it that I'm choosing to do now because it's important to me and acting accordingly and not getting knocked off by that? I think it's very clear when you're a parent and, but I think everyone can kind of use that to find a to find their own personal boundaries, pandemic or not. Okay, well, I want to wrap up with the normal structure of our of our call and go through the things. We always joke that at the end, it gets real silly and we just become a little bit slap happy and it becomes just weird. So we'll get there. But I, I feel like we never really circled back to breakups and relationships ending a year after because like we were both saying... We were both going through this hand in hand a year ago. And I'm really excited actually to talk to you about this because I, I don't think we actually had this conversation. Like thinking back to what I was like a year ago to today feels <laughs> so incredibly distant. Are you feeling the same way about yourself, about me? Like, it's kind of feeling like night and day. Yeah, it definitely feels like I have weathered the storm for the most part. Yeah. Definitely, I've come out of the other side of this thing, for better or for worse. Yeah. How else are you doing? Like, I guess the thing for me that I'm feeling when I said I feel vastly different, it's not that I'm better. It's not that like the heartbreak went away. Like everyone would tell me like, oh, it just takes time. It's just going to take time. And I was like, okay, I hear you, but I didn't fully understand. And the distance just makes it, it does make it okay because you just forget about it more, you know, which is like, it doesn't really make it better, but I do feel like I'm... I guess I'm more resilient, but all because like you were saying, all of my big, after you have a rock bottom like that, or after you feel like all of the things you were fearing happen, they lose their power over you in a way. Do you feel like that? Yeah. And I think that so much of any kind of trauma that we experience, I think so much of it in the beginning is purely physical you know, we're feeling it move through our bodies, we're feeling those emotions, we're crying, we're screaming, we're angry. All of that is so visceral and so real and really truly does knock you to your knees in the literal sense. And so I think it takes some time and some space to really be able to examine that trauma without being so close to it. Yeah, and I feel really different than I was then. Like 
not necessarily in all good ways, not necessarily in bad ways, but just like time, like anything time would, would make me different, but in a way that more growth in the, because of that situation happening in one year than I think I've had maybe in the last four or five total. Does that feel like the same for you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a, it's a huge, it's a huge thing to go through anytime something ends, especially when it's a breakup. Yeah. I definitely think that I've gone through a lot of growth, but a lot of it was kicking and screaming, you know? Yeah. Same. And that's why, that's why we had each other. (laughs) Yeah. It's so cheesy, but it really is true. Like it really is nice to have. And I think the sweetest thing about our friendship right now today, which you can't rush is just like having a history with someone, like having gone through something and having memories with someone and having moments with someone. And that I think bonds you more than anything else, you know, and it can't be forced or rushed. It just has to unfold. It's true. I've told you before that I, I don't like beginnings. I like to be in the middle of something. Yeah. In the middle of it. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. Beginnings are rough for us. We, we want to rush them. And there's beauty in the beginnings too, which we've also talked about, like the newness and the nervousness and whatever, whatever. But uh, honestly, it's really stressful, which is why dating is a complicated, which our next episode will tackle. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I've written out the structure of our calls and I'm going to read it off to you and you tell me if I've forgotten anything and then we're going to go through it. How does that sound? Okay. Okay. So we usually start with a check-in of sorts. Lately, it's been of the pandemic panic variety where we just kind of like check in on the news of the day. Like last week, it was a lot of like, hey, this is happening in LA. This is happening in New York. And we're going to skip that section tonight. We did that privately. (laughs) Number two, I said we get into weird, funny things that happened to us that day. Do you have anything to share from that that topic point? (laughs) Yes, I do have something funny and weird to share. And I think my kids would be okay with me sharing this. So we, as I said, are in New York City. We live in an apartment, myself and my two kids. And we don't have a yard and we are pretty much on lockdown here. I mean, really, you're really not really supposed to be outside for more than, you know, short walks and getting fresh air. And so we are following those guidelines. Um, But we do go outside every day for recess, quote unquote. And it's been getting weirder and weirder as the days are going by and... (laughs) At first, my kids were going outside with like, you know, a soccer ball or, you know, they, they have like roller skates and skateboards and stuff. Fine. Um, and now since they've really just realized that they don't know when they're going to see their friends again, they've developed all these really weird games that we've been playing. We also can't go to like playgrounds or anything. So it's like some weird alley behind our building. Anyway, so today my eight-year-old went outside on roller skates with his acoustic guitar <laughs> roller skating around where we live playing just weird songs that he's teaching himself which was awesome that's how he spent his recess <laughs> multitasker 
That is my brother. Child wow. Performance. And I thought that it was so good. That's fantastic. Six-year-old was juggling alongside him. So Great, that's- of course, of course. I'd like to share. So you've also been making dance videos with my brothers and sending them to me. And then I will, we, our texting lately has just been no words. It's just been dance video one dance video back dance video. And then usually I ask for feedback from my choreographer, which is my um, six-year-old friend. And I was wondering if you could share for everyone his feedback on the most recent dance video that I sent. Great. I'll pull it up right now. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> verbatim. I'd like uh, this quoted, please. Verbatim. So uh, Katie sent a beautiful video of her dancing. There was like an office chair kind of a little bit obstructing her full body. <laughs> and so I wrote back to her and I said that my son said, quote, her dancing is very twisty and good, but I can't see how twisty her legs and butt are. Is she shaking it? Because that's an important part of dancing. And <laughs> oh my God, it was so good. I'm not sure if we have the other one at the ready, but from a couple weeks ago, his feedback about my moves were what was it? She, her moves are so fast. Was that it? Fast and fancy. Fast and fancy. Thank you. Yeah. So that's my choreographer. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things that we're doing in quarantine. Okay, I guess, I mean, another weird thing I did today, which you were there for, was I walked to the grocery store, which was not that close, and did a full shop, brought my backpack and two other bags, and it's very hilly here in New York. I mean, I walk a lot, and I'm sorry, not where am I? In Los Angeles. In uh, New York, I would walk a lot, but there's, we have no hills. Like There are zero hills there, right? Is there anywhere that's hilly? No. In Manhattan. Even in Brooklyn, I don't, I can't think of a hill. So I'm just not used to walking up hills and everywhere here is hills. So here I am on the phone with Carolina. Talk about a moment of like having company. Like, I think that's a thing too, that we are for each other. We're the person that you can call when you just like need to have company on your walk. And I think we both really adore that. The next thing we go into is the top of our roller coaster, which is something that I think Phoenix's teacher made up, right? It's the highlight of our day. Yeah. That's how his second grade class checks in at the end of the day. Just so great. Okay. So what was the top of your roller coaster today? I think this. Me too. Me too. I think especially getting ready for it really gave me the feeling of like, ooh, I'm going out tonight. Like I I really did shower. I really blow dried my hair. Um, I really did make myself a cocktail. (laughs) So that. Yeah, I love that. Kind of butterflies of like, oh, I have a fun thing with a friend tonight. And that felt really good. I love that. I would have prepared as well. I think with the the time change, it was a bit earlier for me. So I didn't get in the grocery store now is a process. But here we are. And now I'm loving it. So it's also the top of mind. And I think that's a really good idea to do for next time. And we haven't, we've created a tradition in this family where we're doing wine and bread nights on Fridays together over FaceTime. Join us. Join us. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Okay. So the next segment of this phone call podcast is the, a segment I like to call things that reminded us of each other. Sometimes this is high or low art books, a podcast club often. That's, I think, the next segment. We, we a little bit did this already. Another f- friendship circle that we adore is this TV show called The Bold Type, which Carolina has graciously given me her Hulu password. So I've really gone down the rabbit hole of. And man, it's cozy to watch these earnest women be nice to each other in the evenings. <laughs> it's really about all I can handle right now, Katie. Yeah, same, same. It's really doing it for me. Um, so that's one thing that we we most recently bonded over. But did you ha- do you have anything for me tonight? I mean, you already read me a beautiful quote. People already kind of got the gist of that. I, I recently sent you a Forbes article. My dad sent me. We're like dealing with you know adult things that we help each other out with. I was once very afraid of Craigslist, and I came over with my computer, and you like helped me like learn Craigslist. So I think sometimes it's just sometimes we call this portion also housekeeping, where we just kind of go through like we're let's take a trip together. We're doing this, or when are we record? You know, and I think the, those logistical things also are just easy to hash out over the phone. (laughs) Sure. I mean, I I don't want to mislead anyone in thinking that it's all Atlantic articles around here. There's (laughs) that gets passed back and forth too. But yeah, yeah, I think we covered it. You also send me poetry, which I did not mention. And a lot of, many a playlist. Yeah. I mean, I think we can cover playlists another another day because that is one of my passions in life, as is poetry. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, a lot of playlists and, and almost a poem a day. Yeah. Last night, you asked me what I was watching on YouTube and I was able to tell you the like weird wormholes that I've been down. And I just saw the screenshots that I've taken on my computer and I cannot wait to send you. But I think that is the benefit of friendship of like a constant stream of links and articles and recommendations because my friend Christine always talks about this of like how we are so influent you know the you were talking about that a second ago of like we are the five people we spend the most time with or blah 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 but like isn't that so beautiful like you always think about that in romantic relationships how you can learn from someone or you kind of change or become a bit you grow through that but i think you can easily do that through friendship as well and i i've seen that with myself and with you. Me too, pal. It's really great. Okay. Then at this portion, we get a little bit sleepy into the territory where we might be like doing a deep dive on a beauty product that we love or like talking about like a weird thing we did when we were younger. And it just gets, I would just say this part is like when it gets weird, right? Do you have anything for me today? I actually have um, a beauty thing. Okay. You go first. I had I ran out of my face wash, which I think I mentioned to you a couple nights ago, and I got a new one at the grocery store called it's that brand they have it at Whole Foods called like my I think you use the sunscreen my my shell or something. Do you know that brand? I do not use that sunscreen, but yes, I know the brand. I got their face soap, and it is so amazing. I'm really liking it. It's like a, it's like a nice pump. It's, I'm going to send you a photo of it. It's just like, I needed something quick. It's not what I normally use, but I'm liking it. It was like a good impulse buy. 
I love a quick supermarket find. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have something for me? Well, I think I mentioned this to you maybe a week ago, but it's worth revisiting because I revisited it again today, which is that I ran out of dry shampoo. Oh, yeah. Um, I ran out of dry shampoo pretty early on into this pandemic. Uh And, you know, I just, I don't want to excessively order things if I don't need to. I'm trying to really keep it to necessities. And I don't know, the dry shampoo is 100% a necessity in my world, but I'm trying to be creative. So dug some cornstarch out of my good old pantry as I was cornstarching, <laughs> trying to get cornstarch into my roots. I was kind of shaking my head over the tub. And then my kid was so grossed out with me when he went to go take a bath. <laughs> it happened at night. And there was like white powder all over the tub. And he was like, what is this? And why are you doing this? And I said, oh, I'm putting cornstarch on my head. And he looked at me like so pitifully. He was like, <laughs> you know, he just gave me this look like something is going wrong. Something is going wrong and I'm not okay with this. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> But I am proud of you. You are, that is truly a pioneer woman move. That is true. It's part of my new pioneer aesthetic. Uh I'm here for it. I'm going to do that purposefully, even in a, even in regular times. What do we call non-pandemic times? Normal life. Yeah. Um, Okay. So now is the point in the conversation where we get, again, still weird. We never leave that once we're there. And this just becomes a lot of laughing, probably talking about crushes, a lot of weird ideas, a lot of just like, it's very bizarre at this point, right? Getting a little punch drunk. Yeah. it's, It's my favorite part for sure. I don't really have anything to share from this part because I feel like it's quite private. <laughs> quite private, yeah. Okay, and then we'll probably get into a, something we've alluded to already that we like to call, we need a name for these segments. I'll just say what it is, but let's think of a name for this, but it's what we each ate. And this is, again, I... I do not like a what I ate in the day. I'm not into, I think that that can be weird. And if it's in in any sort of like a diety sort of way, this is the opposite. This is like the most sweet, nourishing, like my most, my person with the healthiest relationship to food and then me, probably the person with the least healthy relationship historically just talking, a couple girls talking about granola, you know? A lot of granola. A lot of granola. Um, we, you have strong granola opinions. All right, let's just do what we, what we ate. Can you go first? Because yours, yours is going to be better. I can tell you right now. Sure. I had a good coffee this morning. Always start with water and coffee. And then I moved into... Papaya. I send Katie a daily picture of my papaya <laughs> in the light. Papaya with granola. Been really like loving lately. And then for a late morning snack, I had um, I, I baked this chocolate banana bread yesterday, 
And we are swiftly moving through that. So I had some of that for second. Well, that looked so good. And a bunt cake. Yeah, it's it's like a round tube cake. Is what yeah, it looked really good. That was really good. So I had some of that for second breakfast. And then we decided to have lunch outside because it was nice out. So I threw together a kind of kooky salad with a lot of um, different weird... I mean, this is like pandemic salad that we're talking about. <laughs> literally whatever I have plus whatever salad greens I have. And I made um, like a lemon tahini, lime. Oh, yum. And then I also had some leftover curry, which I made last night for dinner, which was a butternut squash, coconut, chickpea, spinach curry, which was really yummy. That was my lunch. And then um, we always have four o'clock snack in this family. So for four o'clock snack today, we had apples and cashews and cheese, cheddar. And then for dinner, I also, it's like a lot of, if I'm getting a grocery delivery, I can really go nuts, but otherwise all week long, it's like whatever mashups, right? Yeah. So spring risotto, which was with asparagus, spinach, cherry tomatoes, peas and I forget what else but it was really really good and then I just had a bowl of chips and a margarita right before we a nighttime snack is also a part of this call which I forgot to mention which is a nod to our other friend who we'd happily invite into this group can you explain Chrissy Teigen has the best Twitter out of anyone ever on Twitter and she tweeted a few months ago that she just it was so kind of innocuous. And she wrote this tweet that said something like, I'm mad at John for not making me my nighttime eggs. And someone wrote, what are nighttime eggs? <laughs> she launched into this whole long tweet storm that was like, well, nighttime, it, here's the thing. I cannot go to bed unless I am stuffed. And I like to feel full. And so after I have dinner, I have a snack. And then I tell John to make me two hard-boiled eggs, which I bring into bed with me. And then at midnight, right before I go to bed, I eat my nighttime eggs. (laughs) Is that not the best thing you've ever heard? Best. I love her. And so, so Katie and I talk about our nighttime eggs. And mine is nighttime granola or occasionally a small bowl of nighttime chips. Last night, I had a nighttime apple with pumpkin seed butter. Yeah, you love that. Which was pretty good. It's so funny that like her telling me that there's been many things like that from a person with a tumultuous, complicated relationship with food that was so helpful. Like not what not what Chrissy Teigen was was going for, but me knowing that little factoid is like, oh, it's okay for me to have a snack or it's okay to feed myself or going to bed full. Like that really like changed the game for me. And knowing that like my friend has a 4 p.m. snack, like was a really useful thing for me to know. And, and to know that just thinking of like the things that I used to do or the things that I thought were not okay or the things that I was afraid of to see like the world will not end. Like, okay this is my body, this is feeding, this is, I think it's just really, really useful. And it's really healthy that we, that we do this food thing. It's this accountability thing for me too, which is like a little bit confronting. (laughs) 
Okay. But probably good. Okay, my turn. Well, it is earlier here, so I have not had dinner, but I had coffee as well. I was not feeling so well this morning, not in a corona sort of a way. And then I had, I have a lot of trouble remembering, which is an issue because it means it wasn't memorable, much like the talking thing, you know, if I'm not like taking the time to like essentially eat in person or if I'm just having snacks, like it's a lot less memorable than meals. But I was like, it was a grocery day for me. So I didn't really have much. So I had crackers and pumpkin seed butter and an apple for breakfast. And then I had like a second breakfast lunch that was two pieces of toast with jam and more pumpkin seed butter. Again, I was very low on groceries. And then a banana boat, as I call it, when you like scoop out the front piece of the banana um, with cinnamon and sea salt. So that was pretty good now that I'm saying it. And then I had this very large smoothie that I put granola over it. And I drank that really, really fast. And I felt I had to unbutton my pants. And I think that's where we are. I think that's it so far. What are you going to have for dinner? Oh my God. The options are endless because I just went to the grocery store on a journey. Man, I don't know. Maybe something something quick because it's going to be very, it's going to be quite late and I'm sleepy. So I don't know. Maybe something avocado-y. What are you thinking? Toast. Yeah, I had toast for lunch though, but that's fine, I guess. We're in a crisis situation. Yeah, we're in a crisis. <laughs> True. True. Fair. Um, yeah, maybe like toast or granola, something something quite quick probably, but something something grounding, which I kind of have an issue with. Like I need grounding foods are needed over here. Okay. So then we, we're getting close, everyone. I know we get, again, I hope you're getting sleepy and a little bit out of it at this point because, you know, that's what this conversation is. So next we get into what we call the celebrity game. Again, could use a better name for all these segments. We'll workshop this for next time because you'll come back. We can record this another time as well, right? Okay. So do you have a celebrity? Oh, you had homework from last phone call. You didn't, you hadn't, you got an incomplete on the celebrity game last week. Do you have your answer? It's okay Uh, if you don't. I do, but. I don't know if you're going to get it. It's really challenging and you are um, undefeated at this point. Okay. Your streak. Yeah. So maybe I save it for a private conversation because to be honest with you, I could use a win today and I shine at this game. Like I really fucking shine at this celebrity game. I believe I'm I'm not good with this sports chat, but oh, for whatever. Not oh, that means you've lost every oh, single. See, one. I'm not good at it. <laughs> You're like five for five. Yeah, I'm really fantastic at it. So okay, let's tell people how it works. So we pick a question, like celebrity wife or celebrity girlfriend or celebrity. We've done we did one this week. Who you'd want to be your celebrity roommate, celebrity entrepreneur, business partner, and then we have to guess which one the other one said. So do you have one for us tonight? You. Um, no, <laughs> I feel like we should do like an easy one just to show the people our craft. Okay. Um, who would you want to be your celebrity neighbor? Oh my God. That was the one I thought I had the other night too. I th- I'm glad we're doing this one. 
Oh, that's so nice. Okay, I've I've got mine. It just came real quick. I think that's always what I lean into is like the first one that comes to mind, which makes it a little hard for you, honestly, because then it's like, oh, that's kind of random instead of like if I really was thoughtful about it. Okay. Mine is... Have yours? I'm not going to give you any clues. Okay, I've got it. Okay. Um, Do they live in New York? No. Do they live in LA? Yes. Are they a actor? Um, I chose a couple. A couple. Okay. Are they both actors? Yes. Do they do movies or TV? Uh, mostly TV. But they also sometimes do movies? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Is it Emily Blunt and John Krasinski? No, but I would happily take them as neighbors. Dang it. <laughs> just so people know, just for knowing, often <laughs> what I did right there will work and I am correct. So I just, I just <laughs> want people to know I was really trying to show off there, but... It often does work. Are they in their 30s? No. Are they in their 50s? No. 40s? Yes. 40s. Okay. Oh, is it Chrissy Teigen and John Legend? No, but I would also take them. Um, all right. All right. Um, so they're both actors. Do they act together? They have. Do they do comedy or drama? Mostly comedy, some kind of comedy drama. Dax, Shepard, and Kristen Bell. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, you know, just so, I, I, again, I'm not trying to make a big deal of this. Just so people know, I'm usually better than that even. Like, that was pretty good. But like, I'm usually, is that just, that's that right? I mean. Correct. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Not to brag, but I just, you know, under pressure, I was, I was worried, honestly, I was worried I wasn't going to get that, but I need to have more faith in myself because, okay, shake it off. All right. You ready for mine? I'm ready. Okay. Is it a single person or a couple? It is a couple. However, I only was originally thinking of the one, but I do like them both. Okay. Are they both celebrities or one celebrity, one normal? Um, they are both celebrities. <laughs> okay, great. Are they in Los Angeles? No. Are they in New York? Yes. Are they actors? One is. Is one a musician? Yes. Is it a man and a woman? Yes. Is the man a musician? No. Are they in their 30s? No. Are they in their 40s? Yes. He is for sure. I'm not positive on her age. She's a musician and he is an actor? Yes. Just to be clear, I'm terrible at this game. And just to be clear, I feel responsible and like I should help you because <laughs> this is a little bit random. I mean, you'll, when you hear it, you'll be like, oh, but I, make it, I don't make it easy because I really go with like my gut feeling with these. So mine are a bit random. Give me a hint. Okay. You know I love this person and you know I love their house in particular. So I'm doing this on the guise of like, they would invite me over and my house would also be nice because it would be next to them. Oh, Lily Allen and... Yes, David Harbour. Harbour, yeah. (laughs) That's so good. Previously mentioned in this episode. Yeah, I'm obsessed with the actor David Harbour and his Architectural Digest tour of his apartment is perhaps one of the better things on YouTube. Well, I will I also to, link it. I feel like that was a little bit cheating because technically they don't live together, do they? What? They, they do? don't? No, they no. definitely do because I happened to listen to a podcast with him today 
And they were talking about their apartment, I think. Well, there you go. You could, you could be right. She could also have a place in London. That could, that you're right. That could definitely be. First. You heard it here first, all your celebrity gossip. Yeah, I know. And you're listening to Let It Out, which has now morphed into a um, celebrity gossip show, which uh, <laughs> not upset about. See, this is it. This is, we're really doing this authentic for everyone because I am so sleepy and out of it. And so the, after we take a, do a round of the celebrity game, some days we might even do two rounds depending on our energy level. It's rare, but it happens. And then it becomes this like really sweet wishing each other sweet dreams. And I don't mean just like sweet dreams, talk to you tomorrow, pal. I mean like, I want this for you in your dreams. And then we often talk about our dreams from the last day. It just gets, and then it becomes like a really long goodbye. <laughs> yeah. It's really nice. Yeah, it really is the best. Okay, but today, one more thing before we wrap. Can we do a few more of this quiz? I just picked a couple of them, but just for knowing, I have two quizzes at the ready because when we recently took a a car trip together, Carolina looked at me and said, you're in charge of car games. So for our next road trip, we have these at the ready. I just want you to know that to feel cozy. Okay, so here's one of them. The question is, describe my perfect day. So we'll do it for each other. Okay, I'll go first. Okay. Uh, Your perfect day. (laughs) I'm so excited for this. (laughs) It's going to be a day where you are not working, nothing on the books, and we are going to leave it wide open, and I am going to make all the choices. So you're going to come over for breakfast. We're going to have coffee and breakfast, and then we're going to go for a long walk and maybe go to a museum for a little bit. We're going to go have a lunch picnic, and it's going to be like a really hot day. And then we're going to drive to the beach. We're going to have a swim. We're going to have a hang. Um, And then we're going to come back home. We're going to shower. We're going to get dressed, and we're going to go out. It's going to be a super hot night and we're going to walk somewhere and we're going to sit outside and have a meal and have a drink and laugh and then walk home. Oh, that's beautiful. I feel so seen. You know, I love the heat. You know, I love a fancy dinner. You know, I love the beach. Wow. Wow. Okay. Your perfect day. It is a little bit cold. It's fall. It's maybe like 50 degrees and it's really crisp and you wake up really early you have a snuggle with my brothers and I meet you guys at the park and I bring you coffee and we walk around and we get a bagel yeah maybe we even like sit somewhere because it's nice enough to sit outside And I'm like even like slightly cold, but I'm dressed properly. So I'm not complaining. You're like feeling good. You're wearing like a very cool sweater, probably like your green sweater. And we just laugh and we like play some silly games. And and then we do some sort of a dance class. Like a lot of, there's like a dancing, maybe it's a ballet. Um, Yeah. And then we... Then we'll have some ginger tea and like another sort of a lunch. And then we'll have some reading, some like quiet, silent reading time because I feel like you would really want 
just like a little bit of like alone reading time. And then for the 4 p.m. snack, we would either have, it might be two things because it's, you know, your perfect day. So we would have apple and cheese because you really enjoy that. And then, oh, and I want to say too, that you cooked the lunch. Like, I don't know exactly what the lunch was, but it was cooked by you because you like nourishing people. So it was like, you had this whole plan and you did it and it was your art and you played it in and blah, blah, blah. And then we have the apple and cheese, and then we go on an ice cream walk, which is a Carolina original. And we go get it. It's now the weather has changed. As they call this in Australia, there's been, a, there's been a warm change. And so we go and we get an ice cream and we're walking around with our ice cream together. The other night we had did a very deep dive on cones. There are three types of cones, which I was not aware of. In our text chain somewhere, there's a screenshot of these three types of cones. And then we enjoy this ice cream together. And then we go back, we get ready, and we have a fancy dinner out that is French fries at a fancy place, wine, and like a seafood of sorts, and probably a Caesar salad. And we order dessert. And then we go see live music. We go to... I don't know what we're seeing. Maybe it's a triple build show with like Stevie Nicks, Maggie Rogers, Yoke Lore, and at Beach House. I just said everyone we've seen in the last year, but you know, why not? And then you go home and then this is long. I hope everyone, this might just be for us. Everyone is out. Everyone is out. And then you go home and you have your nighttime granola and you take a bath. And you probably call me and then you go to sleep at a reasonable hour. How's that sound? This is what I'm going to go to bed thinking about. Great. Okay. These other ones are quick. Describe each other in three words. Oh, okay. Safe, cozy, and sparkly. Oh, sweet, nurturing, and cool. Mm. When did we meet? That one's kind of boring. (laughs) Yeah, we met at a brunch. It's not, it's not that exciting. We met at a brunch. We should make up a better story. Okay, TBD. TBD. <laughs> and this one is a little bit funny, but then this will, will end on. I just kind of want to see what, what you'll say to this. Where can you always find me? I don't even really know what this one means. At ground. Oh, that's true. That's true. And a lot of people have, um, from this podcast have said hi, <laughs> which has been lovely. I can always find you reading a book at many places in New York right now in your apartment. (laughs) Yeah. Doing a lot of reading here. So yeah, well, I love you so much and I'm so grateful that you were here. One of the best compliments that I've ever gotten about this podcast is that it makes people feel less alone and it feels like they're turning on a conversation with a friend when they can't get a hold of their friend or their friend is busy. And I really hope that people listening to this get that sense of coziness. And it's a time where a lot of weirdness is happening in the world. And maybe to just listen to something silly or weird, or maybe sometimes interesting and deep at some moments. But I hope more than anything, it encourages people to talk on their phone with their pals and make each other feel less alone. You know, I think that is really what we need right now more than anything. So thank you for letting me record our nightly conversation tonight. And thank you for having nightly conversations with me every night. 
Thanks, pal. I hope that everyone is having as many weird, meandering, goofy conversations as we are because it's so, so helpful and special and makes this weirdness feel not so bad. Yeah. And I think, and maybe this can encourage people to, I mean, this little weird structure that we have now structure is so funny because it's like not even what it feels like at all, but it kind of is just the way the cookie crumbled makes it feel like the pressure of our phone call is totally off. You know what I mean? Because it's like, oh, it's not like you have to like think of something to talk about. It's just kind of like, oh, we kind of ask the same questions and check in about the same things. And we have these weird games and it's like, it's nice. And I think if you, like, if people want to use these with each other, talking about these little things with someone they feel close to, that would be cool. And then also tell us other ones. We need more games. So like, tell us ones that, that you're using, you know, I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I love you so much. Thank you for doing this. You're the best. Thanks for letting me do this with you. I love you. Love you more. Well, you made it all the way here. Thank you for listening to the end. It means so much to me. I love you. I think you're really great. Check out my new kits. I want to know what you think. Definitely do the journaling one. Send both Carolina and I the phone. That's the emoji for this week's episode. Support the sponsors. Take care of yourself. And I hope that you are doing okay in the midst of the pandemic or whenever you're listening to this. I've talked about it here before, but CBD is really useful to me. And my favorite brand, my favorite producer of CBD is Cured Nutrition, and they're sponsoring today's episode. If you haven't used CBD, maybe now is the time to start. It's most commonly incorporated into wellness regimens to improve sleep, decrease inflammation, reduce the body's stress load. I use it sometimes before bed or or during the day when I'm feeling a bit anxious and I love their treats. They make these cookie dough snacks that are really, really great. And they have these mushroom plus CBD blends. They have, like I said, snacks and tinctures, and they even have dog treats. And all of them work with your body's natural system to produce clear benefits without the worry of the psychoactive component. And not many other companies can say that their products are completely locally sourced and crafted in-house. They have this very cool farm-to-bottle business model, and they're made in Boulder, Colorado. I got to meet them. I really, really love this company. Each product is third-party tested for potency and purity, and it has the absence of any harmful contaminants like pesticides or heavy metals and they're just fully transparent which i love and you can read more about that on their website but again i love this company i am finding cbd really useful right now and just normally so check out cured if you've been wanting to try cbd or you just need a refill <laughs> you can use the code let it out and that's good for 15 percent off your order again that's let it out and that's good for 15 15% off your order. Oh, and one last thing about staying in touch. The podcast was meant to be on a break again right now, but I think I'm going to be still releasing episodes somewhat sporadically. And I have so many new interesting ideas and new directions of the podcast that will be coming out. So I would love for you to keep in touch with me. And I think the best way to do that is on Instagram. Obviously, you know, it's just my name or my Instagram, but I started an Instagram for Let It Out specifically, and it would be really cool if you guys could 
follow that one as well. It's let it out with three T's on Instagram. And I share about the podcast. I share interesting things. We have a theme every single month and I think you guys might be into it. So give that a follow, check it out. And we have a listener Facebook group as well. So that could be another place that we could stay in touch. And above all, I'm sending out pretty much a weekly let it out letter at this point. I send out show notes and it's a really great way to stay in touch. So all of the info to all of those things will be in the show notes and I will talk to you guys really soon, hopefully there. <laughs>